Hi, I'm John Maxwell. When the top companies in the world are looking for trainers, speakers, and coaches, there's one name that stands above the rest, and that's Maxwell Leadership. Our certified team members have gotten proven results for companies all over the globe, and our reputation, I'm proud to say, is second to none. Some of our members have risen to the top of their profession, including the one you're going to meet today. I proudly introduce you to my friend, Bob Fabian Zinka. Welcome to the Leadership and Success Podcast with your host, Coach BZ. If you need to develop into a better leader, this podcast is for you. If you want to achieve a greater level of success, this podcast is for you. His mentor, Dr. John C. Maxwell, said it best, everything rises and falls on leadership. We hope to inspire you today and provide you with an insight that has the potential to positively impact the trajectory of your life. Welcome to the Leadership and Success Podcast. All right, everyone. Uh, this is Coach Busy. Thank you so much for being with me live right now. So far, we have about half a dozen people. Please let your friend know we're going to be talking about leadership and success. I have a very, very special guest with us today, and uh, I'm going to introduce him to you right now. All right. Uh, hello, Coach Mike. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Busy. It's great to see you. Great to, great to finally uh, take some of the dialogues we've been having and uh, expand them a little bit. This is great. Yes. I'm really, really uh, excited uh, because you are such a uh, leadership coach. So in this podcast, we usually talk about leadership and success. And I want to focus on mm -hmm. leadership. Can you introduce your, yourself for, for just a few moments so people in the audience know sure, who you are? Sure. And by the way, everyone, if you're watching, please let us know where you are watching from, your city, state, and country. Thank you. Well, no, thank you. And by the way, you know, you, 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 I'm, I'm with a peer today. So I want, I want that clear. I'm, I'm Mike Minoski. Uh, I've got a really unique background in healthcare leadership. Uh, 20 plus years ago, migrated into tech, where I've been a leader there as well, startup founder. Uh, I'm a certified coach uh, through uh, mid-level certified coach. Uh, been coaching now for over a decade. Uh, my, my, previous, my background as I was getting into coaching, I left... Uh, I left being a manager and a leader in a tech company, and because I was a single dad raising a kid who's done great, um, I went into recruiting because I could have more time with my son. Uh, it's turned out well because my son is a venture capitalist, so it's worked out the right way. Um, and what I found was, as I was recruiting, they gave me a chance to build these great teams. And as a recruiter, I hired myself and the teams I led, have hired thousands of people. Uh, the entire process of recruiting, I have worked in from, I want a new job all the way through negotiation. Done that for thousands as a recruiter. And about 10 years ago, I joined the Wharton Business School uh, and helped develop a program that's now being used throughout the entire throughout the entire program, uh, undergraduate to graduate. I was working on the graduate side around job search and around career transition. And naturally, as you're starting to look at career transition, leadership becomes a big part of that. And so this very successful program working with great people spawned a book, The Job Search Manifesto. It's spawning other books that are coming out later this year around new job success and, and how to really dive into interviews for both the interviewer and the candidate. Um, I have a really active practice 
And to be blunt, I'm having a blast. And I love being able to talk about this because I think you you embody so much of the work that I do and the kind of the kind of messaging that you do. And that's why I'm so excited for you and I to get together today because leadership is this combination of hard work, art, and uh, perseverance and resilience. So love to be talking about this today. Wow. This is really amazing. I'm very, very fascinated by, by your journey. And by the way, uh, Josephine, thank you so much uh, for letting us know you're watching all the way from the UK. And uh, please also let us know if you have any questions for my guest. Uh, I guess there are many, many different uh, definitions for leadership. One that I like the best is one by my mentor, John Maxwell. He says, leadership is influence, right? Nothing more and nothing less. Being able to influence somebody else to do something, mm -hmm. hopefully it's going to be positive for themselves and for you and the entire uh, organization without you being their boss, right? Without having any legal authority uh, over them. How, how would you describe leadership and kind of uh, what has been your leadership journey so far? Well, I think it's a good, I think that's a really good definition. And I think that's a, that's a, a really strong aspiration, you know, to be able to have the influence, to, to have earned the right to influence, because I don't think it's something that you just automatically gain. Uh, to me, leadership is that combination of how much, how do I learn about the space I want to lead in? In other words, the technical, the logistics, the operational side of that. How do I learn to communicate that clearly? And to me, influence, before you can influence, you have to communicate effectively. How do you do that? How do you, how do you know that when I say, let's go five degrees to the left, that they understand? We're going five degrees to the left. So, you know, that element of knowledge gain, communication, uh, resulting in influence. But then there's also this fact that communication, knowledge gain, iteration, this never stays state. This never stays static. And you and I were talking about this before we got started, you know, about, about your dad and, and his 25-pound camera on his shoulder in the 80s, mm -hmm. and look what, we're, look what we're doing here this morning. So the fact that, that things change around us, and adaptation, exactly, adaptation to change is critical for leadership. Even if you don't like change, change is there. That is true. I guess change is the only thing that is constant, right? I guess it's exactly. yeah. all the way back to the Greek... Uh, era uh, but but yeah i think i can't remember which philosopher it, it was but he said he, he never swam in the same river twice just because the water is always flowing always and, okay. uh, yeah so I got, especially now right, we are in the 21st century there has really been an explosion of knowledge and science and technology we're talking about generative ai now it looks like ai is taking over everybody's job and and there's just so many changes happening in the economy in in the world and everywhere yeah, yeah. And it seems to me like the one scale that is really critical that's going to make a human being not be replaced is really developing that leadership skill where you are the one people are going to go to in order to implement yep. the change or at least oversee the implementation of new tech, tech, tech technology and, and things that are going to completely you know, uh, uh, change industries. Is, is there any, anything you, you can say more uh, about how important it is today in the 21st century for 
people, anybody, not, not just people who have a position, because again, in my opinion, positional leadership is probably the lowest level of leadership ever. You don't have to know anything. It's just because you are the CEO or the, the, the boss or, or commander or whatever, and people have to do exactly what you what you say, whether they like it or not, right? Because they, they expect a, a paycheck from you. But, but being the person that people actually want to follow willingly, voluntarily in the midst of, of change where there is some type of trust between you and the, the people you lead. Can you tell us a bit more? Oh yeah, I think you're. I think you're highlighting something that's critical. Uh, I heard a great quote recently from another leader, who said, "You're not going to lose your job to ChatGPT. You're going to lose your job to somebody that knows how to use ChatGPT." And I thought that was outstanding. And I think, I think what you're, my interpretation of what you're hitting on, and I'd love your thoughts around this, is the idea of okay, everything's a transition. And, and as you know, as a coach, and me as a coach as well, what coaches work on is how do you move through transition? That's our, that's our bread and butter. That is the core of coaching. So with everything changing around us, how do you want to show up? And do you want to show up as a, I'll respond to it as other people tell me, or do I want to know enough that I can respond to it the way that I feel is best for me? And so that's, that's that first stage. The second stage after that is, okay, now that I know how I want to respond, I want to share that with others now. And that's leadership to me. That's the idea of, okay, how do you want to show up? How do you want to take all this transition going on around you? How are you going to learn about it? How are you going to execute against it? And how are you going to keep that cycle moving forward? And to me, that's the motivation side of leadership is let me show you what I've done up to you. If you want to do it this way, up to you, if you want to do it, I mean, ultimately, you know, you, people have to determine what they want to do in terms of growth, but that to me is leadership. How does that fit in with what you're thinking? No, that, that is quite uh, amazing. Really leadership is a choice. And based on what you just said, I feel like some people, they live life almost like zombies. They, react yes, to everything that happens to them, but they don't actually respond, right? And I feel like as a leader, you need to have a buffer space between what's happening and then your response to it, where you say, okay, this is how I want to show up. This is what I want to say. This is the impact I would like to have of the effect. And uh, sometimes I think what makes it more interesting is it's not like you 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 are using the same leadership techniques with everybody, right? It really depends on the situation and the people you are interacting exactly. with. You really have to know your audience, know exactly what's going to motivate them, inspire them, and eventually get you to the end results that you are seek seeking, but not just auto automatically respond. Yeah. And, and you know, the core of what you just said is so important. Stimulus response. And you know, there's been a ton of writing on this. And, and uh, uh, the, the idea is we cannot control other people's actions. We cannot control the macro economy. Mm -hmm. We can't control our response. And typically, and, and, and we've all done it, you know, the, the classic one is you're in your car, you're in, we drove down from, we drove down there uh, to our home here in Southern California where we live part-time. We hit LA traffic. And when you hit LA traffic, you're going to be sitting around for a bit. And we know it. But you know, if you're in a rush for something, we respond and it's like, okay, I'm going to get mad at the car in front of me, even though they're not involved there. But the response there is, let me be, let me just react very quickly. The idea is how do I want to react? 
and learning to learning to take that pause in my reaction and as a leader helping other people see that okay we just got we just got a project dumped on our desk how are we going to deal with this and you know people sometimes slap the handle a swear word or two will come out what happens if they go oh i don't like this but let's think through this how do we move people from that reactionary state to that thoughtful state they have to decide to do it but we can we can be both an example of that as coaches as leaders but um you know and then we can also be hey let's think about this in a different way we can be we can be the, the catalyst to, to change that wow that is that is that is quite uh amazing and i'm in my own personal life i'm always looking for that other perspective and uh, sometimes it's very strange where you would get the uh, wisdom from or the uh, advice that may just you know change or significantly improve your life so uh i am always open and by the way we do have a question on linkedin joe White is asking what would your advice be to leaders when implementing change management and she was focusing on avoiding uh, avoiding fear and confusion that's a great question i'm actually working with a company this week that is a small company but smaller size uh that is doing a layoff and it's interesting how the reactions of the people staying is tough. And I was, I was talking with them yesterday while I was driving down. But I think the thing that's critical with this is as a leader, knowing where these people are in transition, are they scared? Are they frustrated with it? What is their state? Where, what is their current state? What are they feeling about the transition? Can you get them to articulate that? And sometimes the goal, this is where, this is where coaching and leadership blend. There's a concept called spot coaching where you go, okay, we've got a, we've got a situation here. What you're really trying to do is go, okay, I hear where you're at. I want to sit here and listen for a while. Now, what do we do with it? And that, that's the key question. What do you want to do with our, with the situation we're at and the feelings you have? And as a leader, I want to I want to be there for you. I have an aspiration as a leader. I know that we're here today. We can be here soon. Are you game? Will you buy into the future space? And then, if we understand what the future state looks like, can we work together on this action plan to get us there? And a little bit of that is inspirational. A lot of that is is generating hope. But you know, everybody comes at it at a different pace. But it's that it's that starting point of understanding and letting them feel like I get you. This sucks. Yes. But what do you want to do about it? Wow. I hope that helped. I hope that helped the answer. I hope that Absolutely. And uh, Joe, we just answered your question. If you have a follow up, please let us know. And everybody else that's watching us live right right now, about a dozen of you, let us know uh, where you are watching from, and uh, also type in any question you may have for my guest today, uh, Coach uh, Mike. Thank you so much. So, Mike, let's get into the uh, uh, seven question I like to ask all of my yes. guests. I'm really, really passionate about this subject. I think I was about 17 years old when I made up my mind I was going to become an expert in, in this field. And I don't know where it really came from. I was 17. That was back in the 90s. And I felt like, okay, there are three things I need to become an expert in, no matter what I'm, I'm going to, to become, right? 
One is to become a better leader. One is to really master technology because I, I, I saw that technology was really the, the future of the world. And then number three was to also get some business skills, being able to run a prof profitable um, business. So for the rest of my adulthood, I really focus on those, on those three areas. But anyway, uh, number one, what is the greatest lesson you have learned so far? It's, it's two words. You know, and you gave this to me ahead of time, and I, these these are questions that I went. We only have forty five minutes. I think this is, this is one question is forty five minutes. Um, humility and hope. Mm. And you know, I've had some great wins in my life that I am so grateful I had. I've also I've also been knocked down in some cases physically knocked down. Mm. And how did I get up? And you. You know, everyone says you need resilience. I get that. I, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and run through my failure stories because we'd be here for two days. Uh, if we run through the success stories, probably the same amount of time. So I'm, I figure I'm about 50-50. But here's the thing that's most important is what I found is to get up, you need to believe it will get better. You need to go, okay, I'm going to stand up in the hope that this will improve. And you can, to me, you can say all you want about resilience, but you got to have some trigger to go, yeah, all right, we're, we're going to at least take a step forward. Humility is also the other extreme. I just nailed something. I, I have, I've, you know, wrote the book. I've done this. I've done that. And, you know, you can get, you know, pretty, wow, I'm the greatest guy in the world. I'm, um, I'm the dude. You know what? You're not. There's always somebody smarter than you. There's always somebody more articulate than you. And you, that's great. I can learn from them. But that's the humility of it. You know, the humility and the hope. To me, you're kind of the two drivers. I love it. Humility and hope. Especially on humility, I think you must have met my, my wife, right? Uh, because uh, <laughs> especially I remember when I when I made com commander in the U.S. Navy, which is really big, right? Being a senior officer, oh five, it's like you know, lieutenant colonel in huge. branches, huge. huge, huge. So I had this big head for a few seconds, and then I come back home and she's like, "Okay, I am the boss here, so you better just sit down and shut up." I'm like, "Yes, ma'am." <laughs> have, have you ever heard the story about the rock singer Bob Seger? Uh, no. So, so Bob Seger, uh, who's had an amazing year. Mm -hmm. and an amazing career. Bob Seger would go on tour and would spend months away from home, thousands, tens of thousands of people cheering him. He would go home, and as he would start to walk towards the door, his wife would walk out holding a bag of garbage and said, would you put this away, please? And every time he got home from a tour, she did that. And it was a way of saying, welcome home. Yeah, level down, down there, rock star. star. And I've had, that was great. I've, <laughs> your, your wife and I must send emails back and forth. It's great. It's, it's wonderful. No, this, this, is, this is great. And, and you, you mentioned failure earlier. So I'm, I'm going to skip question number two, go to question number three. How has failure shaped your life? Because it's true, when we, we see people we want to um, be like, um, <laughs> we always think about their success. And sometimes we even say, you know, this person is an overnight success, which I think is just not true. Uh, no, and no, everybody no, who's no, successful no. has gone through a, a lot of failure in order to find success on, on, on the other side. So how has failure shaped your life as a leader? It's catapulted. It's been a trampoline. Uh, and I talk about this a lot with, with clients and, and to my work is if you, I, I, let me just give a quick failure story. Um, 
I had, had been, I, I was a director in, in one of the fastest growing companies in Seattle, tech companies, uh, took a sabbatical, met my now wife, moved to the Bay Area, and started looking at roles, but I'm now a single dad with custody. And I'm looking at roles and I'm realizing they want me to do the same thing, which is 68 hours a week. I can't do that anymore. So I went into recruiting because I could, I could build the teams and, and do all of that, but not have necessarily the overhead in my life like that, that came in with a direct leadership. I got so much flack from people going, what are you doing? You're, you're, you're almost 40 and you're going to do this? This is career suicide. Um, those are the same people that ask me if they can see the tapes of my talks on board. Wow. And, and, I, and I talk it hard. The, the, technically, that was a failure. That was a big win-win. So, so what may what may be in the you know what may be in the in, in the current timeline of failure? What do you do with it? What are you, you going to make out of it? And that to me, if you really take that idea that okay, this is an event. And stepping away from, from this binary thing of is it good or bad, that I fail or win, what am I going to do going forward? And recruiting, recruiting was a step down economically for a year and everything else, but I wouldn't have written the book, wouldn't have taught him hard, wouldn't be a coach. It was a huge win-win. That is really amazing, which reminds me too, right? Success is different for everybody, right? It means different exactly. things to different people. It's not everyone who has the same dream or who believes that achieving whatever amount of money or um, job yeah, level yeah. or whatever you know is is success. It, it is it is people really need to figure out what success really means to them, right? Yep. yep. And let's and take that a step further because that's a really important concept. As as a leader, what 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 is important to me? What how do I? What are my KPIs? My OKRs around? Success as a leader here, or success in my role. But, but guess what? The more people you lead, the more you find out their KPIs, their measurements, entirely different. And as a leader, if you think it's the same way for every person you go into click cutter, that's failure as a leader. So you have to understand what 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 really gets people passionate about what they're doing. Wow, that is uh, amazing. And, and I guess that's another challenge for leadership as, as well, right? When you get to uh, motivate people, is knowing exactly on your team what is the motivation for each one of those individuals. Because not everybody's going to be motivated by money or by training or recognition or whatever uh, it, it might be, right? So really mm -hmm. being sensitive. I, I guess developing that emotional intelligence, not just awareness of self, yep, yep. which many people do, but awareness of others, right? And, and I think that's, that's really, really key. What do you think? Well, and, I, and I think the step after that, that you're, you're going beautifully into servant leadership, mm -hmm. you know, the concept that, okay, let me step away from the model that I'm top down. And I think your background is really, really easy in the fact that you see leadership from both a military standpoint, a public service standpoint, and also private sector. And there's differences there. And yet the fact that you've been able to maneuver this so well, is, is really unique. And what, what I find interesting is as you go through this, really giving, really giving, giving an understanding of what these people are doing, accepting the fact that not only are they currently, this is what motivates them, but, this, but they're going to change too. They may be motivated by something else entirely in the same As a servant leader, if we hone in on that, 
Mm. And go, okay, so, so and that isn't being wimpy. You know, people think, wow, you're, you're going to bend your staff. No, you're going to understand your staff. Mm. Leadership, leadership's job, leadership's job, particularly if you're not in the C-suite, probably in the C-suite too, is the idea, okay, how do we reach this aspiration? Mm-hmm. We have this moonshot. We want to go do this. How do we get there? And and how do I get people to buy into the common passion and desire to achieve this moonshot? And you've been on teams, and I've been on teams, and people listening have been on teams where that happens. That's magic. Yes. How do we how do we understand the passion of the people that work for us, their needs, their desires, and how do we blend these two? External, external external aspiration with their internal passions. That to me is the art of leadership. Wow. Yeah, I think one thing they've really drilled into me in the military is taking care of your people and your people will take care of the mission. Yeah, you do have a job to do, but uh, if you take care of your folks, uh, everything else will take care of yourself. I, I, and I was thinking of you last night, I, one of my clients uh, is a physician at, at one of the top medical facilities in the world. And he and I, he and I got together last night. Um, he's a former, uh, he's a former flight surgeon in the Navy. And to see what he's done and what he's been able to do. Um, but he understands that blended environment. You have to take care of, and in his case, you literally have to take care of your team, your people. Um, but at the same time, how do you, how do you keep them motivated and understanding that their mission, you know, as a flight surgeon, is in some cases saving lives and you know how do you integrate that and how do you make sure that the team around you goes okay you know we have to save lives we don't do that all the time we do that maybe five percent of the time but how does filling out that paperwork and taking that course assist us in that key mission we're going to save lives wow this this is really fascinating. I feel like I could talk with you for for hours, but let me get back, back uh, on track here. So we did question one and three. Let me go back to question number two. Uh, I know leaders are learners, right? We are always mm-hmm. learning, and I guess that's just another thing I figured out when I was about seventeen, eighteen years old. I'm gonna be a student forever and ever and ever. There is really no such thing as a terminal <laughs> degree, right? I, you never get to a to a point where right, you feel right. like you've learned everything there is to learn. It's, it, because uh, the more you learn the more I feel like I need to learn even more. But uh, anyway, uh, what what are you learning right now? So, so you're, 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 the, focus the focus I have at the moment is, is you're, you're going to learn this. I'm focusing on how to learn. Wow. Uh, I'm in the middle of, I'm in the middle of finishing a book. And yeah. one of the things I realized is I need to show people learning models. Okay. And I'm not going to do it. The book is actually very simple. It's about interviewing. But you know what? To learn, to learn how to interview you is a process. Yes. And for all, I, I have a background in learning and development. But what I'm, what I'm doing right now is going, okay, everybody learns differently. How do I take this topic and build simple little learning exercises that will resonate with people to be able to communicate clearly? So I'm learning about learning. And I'm, I'm applying what's the what I'll call, I'll, I'll be a geek for a minute, learning modalities, and how do I apply it into this particular area? And I'm, I'm literally, that's my work for the next two weeks. Wow. That is really fascinating. I think it was when I was in college, I realized that uh, 
my superpower needed to be the ability to learn, right? Because we yes. mentioned earlier, things change so so quickly, especially here in Silicon Valley. You have brand new technology within six months or so, almost right, obsolete, right. and you have to keep You're a grandparent. Yeah. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah. Amazing. Okay, so uh, question number four. Uh, who do you know, Wim, uh, whom we should we should know? Who are some of your mentors or thought leaders you believe Myogen should be following right now? Um, there's, there's several, and, and there's two that come to mind. One is a client of mine, uh, and his name is Chris Matthews. Yes, like the, like the uh, one-time pundit on TV. Um, this Chris Matthews, I hired about eight years ago to be the VP of marketing for a company that made the first smartwatch called Call. Wow. And um, Chris has gone on to being a leader in marketing at a number of startups with a focus on consumer and business robotics. Uh, and is involved in, in a bit of it. Chris just wrote a book called Start Telling People. And the idea of the book is, okay, okay, you have this great idea, you're building this tech company, and you assume, and you, easy, you, you're going you're gonna, to, there's going to be a bunch of names you're going to think of in a moment, that I built this great technology, therefore, everybody's going to buy it. I just have to sit back and wait. And Chris's point is, yeah, yeah that's, that's, that doesn't that work doesn't real well. <laughs> How do you take this good idea and get it out into the world and create a follow a community of customers? And he's written a book on it. He's done it a number of times. And what's been interesting is I, I, I was able to coach him a little bit through the book. This is exploded. Chris is giving talks all over, all over Silicon Valley. Uh, he was just at a TechCrunch conference. Speech. And, and what he's what really, really talking about is, is and what he's what really emphasizing is, is how do you communicate the value you bring with your product? product. And I know that sounds simple, simple. It's not. not. And, and but, but he's, he's chunked it out. He's made it so it's something you can do. Because every, I'm thinking about it this way. You've been to hundreds of places where I kind of screen idea. And you and I know there's a lot of ideas. That next, next step, step of creating, creating something from that idea, idea is a huge leap. leap. But then we all, and again, yeah, you've seen this a ton as well. How do How you take that leap from I built it, it or I've got, got it pretty well done, to letting the world know? And that leap, a lot of people struggle with. Chris is trying to deal with that, and I'm really proud of his work. Wow, that is pretty amazing. And by the way, I did find him on LinkedIn and I showed his LinkedIn uh, profile, yep, yep. Uh, Chris Matthew. So right now it looks like he is the principal at Very Small Robots, LLC, yeah, right. San Francisco yep, area, yep. which is pretty and, amazing. And Very, very Small Robots is his company and he's emphasizing the robot side because he, uh, he and his team at a company called Mayfield Robotics built one of the first consumer robots. I have had one. It was, it was great. great. And then, and then uh, he's gone on there's some other work. But he's, but he's really, really finding, finding this idea of, okay, okay, okay how do you get, get the word out? out? Hmm. Is huge. And, and is, is a really underserved really need. Awesome. I've also added uh, his uh, LinkedIn um, profile URL in the comments for the guests to. Uh, Beautiful. This is really, really wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, so, oh, uh, number five, what have you read that we should read? I know uh, leaders are readers. I, I read two, books. Bunch, but... <laughs> two books. I just finished a book uh, this week called Magic Words by Jonah Berger. Okay. And Jonah Berger, so, so this is just a happy meeting. Jonah Berger is a professor at Wharton. I've not met Jordan. I mean, you know, Jonah. 
but, but it's, it's a really, really, really good, good book, book on language. language. And, that and that sounds, sounds really, really dry. dry. It's, it's not. not. It's, it's extremely, extremely helpful. helpful. It's, it's well written. Well, well, not a long, long book. book. Um, but, but the idea of, of how do you how build, build trust through communication? communication? How do you... How do you interesting, interesting. He gets down into something I thought was fascinating. When do you use the word should and could? And, you know, should is... Direction. Okay, you should do this. In other words, it's very judgmental. Could is, is hey, what if we, could we, and the idea, and as a leader, we can often get ourselves caught in the directive side of, no, you should do this. Could we do this? How, you know, it starts to explore a little bit more. Funny how two words, just a few letters difference, can have a big impact in how you communicate as a leader. So, magic words. Great book. Amazing. And yeah, there's the a, there's, there's, yeah, yeah, second, second one, one is, I actually know the author. author. Uh, the book, the it's, it's one of his older books. books. His name is David Burkus, B-U-R-K-U-S. Mm -hmm. David is a longtime New York Times bestselling writer. He's also taught for many, many years. His book, Friend of a Friend, is foundational to building effective business relationships. And you uh, uh, quote, quote David and Arbor. I've actually, we've actually, we've actually brought David in and David, David, David myself and my co-author have taught together. Um, it's the, the idea that the people that, that can help you the most, most in your journey are not necessarily your closest friends. friends. Mm. It's, it's this, this, it's this people, people that, people that, you know, know maybe know about you indirectly. And why that's important is those types of people don't have the positive bias about you that someone close to you has. And they, and they also have a different, have a different view, view of the world, world. And, and and that, that ability, ability to be a little bit broader and introducing you to new things, things amazing. amazing you and i are an exact example of this we started talking on a linkedin chat yes and here we are i mean this is this is the classic example of that wow this is pretty cool and i have links to both books and also i showed a, oh, wow. a picture on on amazon beautiful uh, this is really amazing, understanding the hidden networks that can transform your life and your career. And maybe I can also encourage some people out there on, on LinkedIn who are trying to build their network or get into an industry where they don't know anybody yet. Uh, I must tell you, yes, it definitely makes a huge, huge difference when somebody you know can put in a good word for you for a job that's not even advertised yet, right? Can, we, can, we, can I can share just a, a, a simple one-minute one thought around that? Mm -hmm. Because, because so often we have this tendency when we reach out, particularly when we go, hi, I want a job. And, and you know, know that'll work maybe 5% of the time. time. But, but I have this interesting approach, and it's in our book. I call it journey. Imagine, BZ, if someone reached out to you and said, BZ, I love how you went in your journey, journey and went from, from the military, military background in the private sector to deep, deep amount of security. I'm really, I'm really considering security as a career. I'd love I'd to love talk, talk about your journey. journey. How, How likely is it that you talk to them? Yes, It's yes. huge. Imagine, imagine, and I'll share this with everybody out there, imagine, imagine that you have an interest in joining an organization or you have an interest in going into a particular field. What if you reached out to somebody who was successful in that field or successful in that organization and say, tell me about your journey. I want to learn from you. Hmm. 
the response rate is typically between 25 and 30 percent, which which in LinkedIn, I'm a long-time recruiter, so we measure metrics a lot around responses. That's a massively successful response. Wow. Go talk to somebody about their journey and make it about them. Yes. Wow. It, it really does make a huge, huge difference when you feel like someone is just trying to sell to you or get something from you, but when they actually want right, to right. engage. And- get, a, get away from the transaction and get to the yes. person. Wow. Exactly. That is, that is worth every minute of, of this, this call. And uh, another question I have for you, if you could choose three people to have dinner with, who would you choose and why? They don't have to be alive <laughs> and they could be fictional too. Um, well, one would be Martin Luther King, because I, I think he, his ability to make change, his ability to communicate that change, stunning. Um, I've always, I, I just found him so inspirational, uh, not only just his ability to communicate, but his story were in the background. So he'd be one. Um, ironically, one would be Warren Buffett. <laughs> And, and, and the, the reason, reason I like Warren Buffett is the wizard. What's interesting about him to me is this guy doesn't have pretense. This is a this is a guy who could be living in in you know five hundred different castles, all fully paid for, but he lives in Omaha, Nebraska, and he's he's humble about that. And I, you know, I use the word humility. I just find him absolutely fascinating. Um, yes. From that aspect. I can I keep going, but those are two guys that have always kind of been on my list. I understand that if I wanted to try to get lunch with Warren Buffett, it's like a half million dollars to a charity. I don't know. I don't want to put my money right there. But so I'll, I'll just I'll just read about them. But those are the two people. Um, yes. That, I mean, sound very different, but I, I, I just find people like that fascinating. Definitely some, somebody I'd like to meet someday, him and Bill Gates, right? They used to be the richest people in the world at one point, but now they're getting rid of their wealth. It's just incredible. I, I think I, I, I will just say this, and I can't go too much deeper, but my brother, my brother worked for Microsoft in the early years. And uh, I do, I would, I would categorize Bill Gates as a weak time. In other words, I know people that know him, and I do think the growth he's done Particularly in the last decade, it's been amazing. Uh, but I have some, I have some Bill Gates stories from time. Can't really feel publicly, but but they're all. But he's grown a lot. The, the, uh, there was a there was a, a, a documentary called Bill's Brain, and Netflix, I believe. Yes. Yeah, and he acknowledges when I was in, when I was I worked down the street from Microsoft, and his management and leadership style sucked. It was, it was terrible, terrible back then. And, and I have stories about that. About that. Yes. But, but what I saw I him on Bill's brain, brain, he said, said I realized I wasn't, I wasn't a good leader then. then. And I thought, I thought, good for you. That's, that's pretty, pretty awesome. awesome. That takes a lot of humility to... Uh, it does. does, does that. Funny how we keep coming, coming back to that word this morning, wouldn't it? Yeah, it is, it is really amazing. And I know the uh, uh, current uh, CEO of Microsoft is just outstanding. He is. Uh, he is. He's... he's He's humble. Yes, yes. He really is. And, and, but he's but also adventurous. Really, <laughs> we, we could do a whole other thing on, on yeah. how do you be adventurous. 
But, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I know a lot of investment they made on uh, OpenAI and ChatGPT and, and all, all, all of that. And to me, Microsoft has really become a security company, right? Any company that spends more than a billion dollars every year on security is a security company. <laughs> it's well, incredible. And, 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 yeah, but you know what? I think, I think what triggered that was cloud. Yes, yes. You know, the minute you recognize, recognize that your core products, products are cloud-based products, when you move the office suite into the cloud, yeah. Yeah, you're yeah, you're you're, you're, a, you're a security company, company because that's that's, that's, that's my data. data. Don't be messing with my don't be messing with my spreadsheets, dude. Yeah. 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 Agree. No, this this is this is incredible. We are running out of time so quickly. Uh, question number six: uh, If you had one day and only one day to live, what would you have liked your final contribution to be? My contribution, or what I would do that day? Maybe a little bit of um, both. My contribution, my contribution would be, would be I, would, I, would, I would do I would my do sessions. sessions. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm a coach. coach. I, I, I do, you know, six, seven hours a day of coaching. coaching. Uh, I, I would still, still do that. that. Because, because, I mean, that's, that's my contribution. contribution. My, my contribution, contribution is, is, is the contribution that the people I work with make. make. It is, it's, it's, it's no longer me. It's what they do. do. So, so I would do that. Then the other thing is, I'd go swimming. I love to swim. Wow. That is really, really, really deep. Because it reminds me, again, my leadership mentor, Dr. Maxwell, once said, big difference right, between success and significance. And he says, once you test significance, success will not mean anything anymore. Because it seems to me like for most people, when they start their adult life, right, they're working, they want to be successful, make money, and all that. And nothing wrong with it at all. But it comes to a point where you reach your goals, and an extra dollar, an extra million dollars isn't going to make a difference in your life at all. You know, how many boats can you ride? Right? How many cars can you drive? At, at a certain point, it's not going to have the effect it oh, used oh. to have when you, when you first earned it. And it's really up to you to really think about the future. How can you contribute to the life of somebody else? And, and, and I think when would you make that jump? And I've been really, really, really fortunate. fortunate. I've worked, I've worked with, with people who made that jump. jump. And yeah. it's ironic that when you can move from this idea, idea okay, okay, accumulation, accumulation uh, to sharing, sharing. you yes. know, I want to accumulate knowledge, you're always going to do it, but you know, I want to accumulate recommended things like that. But if you can then start moving to, how do I share this out? That's when, to be honest, that's when the power shows up. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, because, I mean, I definitely believe in hard work ethics. I think I've been like that for most of my life. But I do think that you kind of have to be lucky too, right? Because there are hundreds of people who are much smarter than you are, more skills, more intelligent, have more resources. But for whatever reason, the universe chose you to be selected in this time, to be in this position, in this company, or have all of the blessing you have. And I'm always very grateful uh, for that, right? Just yeah, for yeah. for being here. I hundred percent shared, and I think you know more importantly is the idea of okay, I didn't get something, I didn't I didn't get a win. I you know, I I mean one of the when this point was a number of years ago was we were trying we were we were doing an acquisition we were trying to I had a startup was doing really well and a larger company wanted to buy us the last minute they backed away. I was devastated. I mean I I was. I don't think I got out of bed for a day, and that hurt. But you know what? Everything just grew from there. And and the people I I think had the merger taking place. I've even talked to the guy later. I realized it it was the best for both of us. It was best for everybody involved. But at the time, man, it hurt. But I am so glad I kept going. 
Wow, that is uh, very, very deep and, and wise. I think we can really all learn, learn from it. Uh, so we are getting toward the end uh, of this interview session. So question number seven was about how can we add value back to you? How could we, uh, what, what uh, could we do to make a difference? And if you have any product or services that you would like to share as sure. a benefit to the audience, that would be great. My, my. <laughs> the Job Search Manifesto is, is uh, the program that we developed at Warden. It's what I still, about half of my practice is focused on career transition and job transition. The other half is really focused on career success and leadership. Uh, people want to talk about that. MikeCoach.com is my website. Uh, I'd even make something from the word or something very serious. I'm doing a lot of posting these days on LinkedIn. Comment, read it, connect with me, because what I'm doing is it's a precursor to several books I'm working on. And some of the best ways to write is to pre-write, get the ideas out there, get thoughts going on. And I would love comments about what you're seeing you post on LinkedIn. And uh, also, on, not as much on Twitter these days, we won't go into that, but I'm really focusing on LinkedIn because I think that's where I'm finding a lot of kindred scripts. So I'd love people to read and comment. Wow, that's amazing. And I'm showing your website right now. So you, you. definitely provide coaching, job search, career success, and leadership coaching. And you are really, really passionate about that. Why, why do you think anybody listening to us now, they may say coaching is not for me. Why would they want to hire you or someone like, like, like you, a leadership coach? Because you have an aspiration you can't achieve by yourself. Mm. In other words, you got to get this desire. I want, I want to achieve this. And what you find is you can get to it. In, in many cases, you may be able to achieve it on your own. But you know what? How do you scale that? How do you take the achievement and build a process, an action plan that you can scale? Because once you've achieved that, there's always something else. How do you take what you've learned and that process and put it on the next higher aspiration? That's coaching. We help with that. We help clarify the aspiration. We work on the action plan. But we're also always keeping an eye on how do we, How do we scale, scale this puppy? How do we grow mm -hmm. this? That's coaching. And, and coaching isn't for everybody at every time. And I love talking to people just to kick it around. I don't ever put pressure on people. I, I have a really successful practice. I love it. But so feel free. Grab some time. It's free. Now, the very last uh, set of questions, and I think I already know the answer for you. What is the most rewarding aspect of your life experience so far? Other people's success. Yes. Wow, that is that is great. Okay, now uh, last three questions. They're gonna go really really fast. I don't want you to spend too much time thinking, but just uh, give me answers. What are three adjectives that would describe you as a child? As a child, mm -hmm. uh, adventurous, curious, and uh, risk taking. Okay, as an adult, adventurous, curious, and sharing. Wow. Okay. Didn't change very much. That is good to know. And finally, what is, <laughs> I love that. What is one word that represents our shared experience in this uh, meeting right now? What word comes to mind? To me, I think it's humility. Passion. Passion. Thank you so much. And I'm going to triple check, make sure I don't have any more questions on LinkedIn. I don't think we do. Actually, 
Uh, no, I think we are we are we are good. And uh, thanks again for for your time. I really oh. appreciate that. It's been almost uh, an hour. And uh, this is going to be uh, on LinkedIn for uh, rebroadcast immediately. And by the end of great, today, great. it should be everywhere uh, podcasts are, are found. So thanks my, again my for your time. Really appreciate it. We're definitely going to do that. Until care. next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Leadership and Success Podcast with your host, Coach BZ. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to our channels and come back for more wisdom nuggets on how you may develop into a better leader and achieve greater levels of success. Leadership is the most critical skill. The world will always need leaders to lead others, deploy the next disruptive technology, or execute a business strategy. You may as well decide on counting yourself among the 21st century leaders. See you right here next time on the Leadership and Success Podcast with Coach BZ.